Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how the Bible, Holy Spirit, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. You guys ready for the word? Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, uh, that you love us so much that you sent your son Jesus for us. God, we acknowledge you as our Lord and Savior in this place. Holy Spirit, you're, we are so welcome in this place. Would you move in our hearts and our minds? Would you do your work and, and reveal to us truth from God's word? Let it not be my words, Father, but your words. We know that what you have to say is transformational, God, and that's what we seek today. We want to know you more, and we thank you so much, God, that for this church that we have, for this community, for the people that are involved with it, Father, and also the people that are going to be involved with it in the future, Father. We thank you to continue to bring the right people across this church so that we can do what you want us to do as a church. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone in agreement said amen and amen. For those taking notes, we are calling the sermon today, Trust the Process. Trust the Process. And just so you know, uh, first service, I spoke a different sermon that I prepped for. Somehow it went totally different. So we're going to try to get back on track for you guys. So if you talk to people in the first service, this might have nothing to do with what I talked about in the first service, just to give you a heads up, which is probably a good thing, I think. That was my hand, my apologies. Trust the process. The goal for today, and I, I'm, I love teaching the word. I love diving into what the word says, understanding not just the historical context, but what was Holy Spirit leading and guiding the authors to let, and what was the intended audience, and what is that application, and how does that apply to us, and, and what can we get from it? Because the Word of God isn't just written for a specific time period, although that's important to understand what's going on so that we can really get out of the Word. And Holy Spirit is going to bring that up. And that's something I love to do. I love to dive deep into the text. But today is, I'll put it this way, some things are taught and some things are caught. And I pray that today is something that we catch, something that's been on my heart for, for sure the last year that I know God's been challenging myself with and I figured now is probably a, a decent time to talk about it a bit more. So it might be a little loosey-goosey in where we go. I'll hopefully get a point across so you note-takers can have something to bring home, show something good effort for your work. But we, um, today we're going to be talking about trusting the process. And I want to start off by saying there is the idea of comfort in our Western Christian world is, is a big thing. We all pretty much live lives of comfort, right? Thank God for Alberta oil and gas that we could be comfortable last night as we had no rolling power outages happen in our province. Thank you, Saskatchewan, for your help last night. I'm not sure if you knew that. But we, we enjoy comfort. We li- and that's not a bad thing. Comfort comes as technological advances happen, as we progress as a human species, as things like that happen. So comfort is a good thing. When you have heat, all these comforts that we live with, with, with availability of food, not having to be hunter-gatherers anymore, with the ability to be able to have heat in our homes to survive cold winter nights, it's prolonged the life and help us live longer, typically better lives. And, and comfort can be a good thing. 
but and Pastor Leon always said this, for every mile of road, there's always two miles of ditch. And anything, I think, in extremes that might seem good in, in norm, normalcy can be bad on either ends of extremes. And, and the idea for comfort for me has been on my heart a lot in terms of my relationship with Jesus, because I feel that living in a Western society in the 21st century is that we have a hard time not viewing life through the lens of comfort. And that also can creep into our relationship with God. And I, I fully believe the enemy uses the tactic of comfort as a distraction tactic that takes us away from our real relationship and our, I'll say this very boldly, your purpose in life. Comfort can distract us and take us. And that purpose in life is to know Jesus, is to know God. It's not to be an amazing musician or to be a wonderful wife or to raise your kids amazing. Those are all noble things to do, but they are not your purpose. Our purpose in life is not to stack heaps of money or to build a beautiful home so that we can show everyone how well we've done in life or to build an unbelievable social media following so we get dopamine hits nonstop, right? That's not our purpose. Although people do those things and they can be used in the right context and they can be used for great things. A lot of times we get our purposes mixed up and we can get distracted by pursuing the comforts of the world that our world screams is, this is how we measure ourselves. This is how we judge whether you're successful. This is how we see if we've lived a life worthy of going down in a biography or something like that, right? There are all these ways that are false standards of living. And, and if we're not careful to get deceived by these comforts is we might think our purpose actually lies in our vocation or our purpose lies in our relationships, or our purpose lies in our popularity, or even good, like really good things. Our purpose lies in how many people I can help who are, mis are unfortunate in their lives or misfortunate. So what I want to do today, and really what I've been on my heart for the last year in my life, is I love how, how Paul and and Paul and Timothy write this letter to the church at Philippi in Philippians, and specifically in Philippians 3. He makes this exclamation mark of, oh, if I could just know him. And he talks about this idea of essentially he lived the life that was perfect in the eyes of Judaism in terms of self-righteousness. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. He brags the fact that like a good uh, Israelite that they were circumcised at the eighth day, that he was living according to the law. He was a part of the Pharisees, which is the most religious sect of Judaism that they abided by the law. He rejoiced in his zeal for what they believed for persecuting this new and, and infant church that Jesus had come to establish. So Paul in Philippians 3 is sarcastically bragging about how if he had anyone had a right to be able to say, look at what I have done, it would have been Paul. But then Paul goes on to say and essentially says his Damascus road experience where he met Jesus and Jesus knocked him off his donkey and he was blinded for three days. Paul goes on and says, I count all of that stuff as a loss in the face of knowing Jesus. If I could just know him, if I could get to know him intimately, 
to the point where I want to be obedient to every single thing. He says, so this scripture has really been speaking to me because Paul, and the reason why I think I identify a lot with it, and probably a lot of us can identify with it, because it's so easy to fall back into the trap of measuring ourselves according to worldly standards. How much wealth am I building? Where am I at compared to other 37-year-olds in their life? Am I above the average? Am I below average? Come on, you've all Googled that before, haven't you? (laughs) What kind of house do I have? What's my social media following? Is there other people that have bigger followings than I do? Oh, how how many likes did my preaching clip get last week? I'm just saying, there are a lot of things that if we're not careful is constantly trying to drag us back into measuring our life according to a worldly standard. Which if we're honest, like Paul is being brutally honest in Philippians 3. We're not going to read it for time's sake. You can write that down and read that on your own time. But just like Paul, it's these things that puff up our chest make us feel good, and they get us to this position where it's like, okay, now I feel like I'm arrived. And Paul is saying, don't fall for this trap. And in our world, it's especially easy in a, in a Western comfort, 21st century world of things that we are constantly inundated with of what is, should be achieved and what a good life looks like and Instagram profiles, which aren't real life, but they're people's best screenshots of their life. All these things we can fall for. And for me and for a church, and call it January, the month of goal setting, how many goals we set of what we want to achieve and what we want to do is, I've kind of come to this realization, Danielle and I have been talking a lot about this, that if I fail at everything that I'm setting out to do, the one thing that I want to succeed in is to know Jesus more. If I do everything wrong in 2024, I want to succeed in deepening my relationship, knowing God's voice, understanding who he is, understanding what he thinks about things, being in real-time relationship with Holy Spirit so I can hear from him and learn from him, be corrected by him. Because remember, Holy Spirit, what Jesus was to his disciples is what Holy Spirit is to you and I. He's our teacher. He's our comforter. He's our corrector. He's there to empower us. He's here to help course correct us. That is what he is. And and all of this to say, when I say trust the process, we'll get to what that means in a second, is that if we're not careful as Christians, we can easily, and I've been here over and over again, so I'm preaching to myself. That's obviously none of you guys, different churches, not Springs, Calgary. But we can so easily fall into transactional relationship with God where we are in it for what benefits we can get. And we lose the power of what a relationship with God is, which is really, it should be a transformational relationship, not transactional. And too often, and it's not, I don't think it's a mistake of, of preachers or teachers or things like that, but often I think this is the lens we view our world through, through this, this, these thick, thick goggles of comfort and achievements and things and, and, and materialism and the latest brands and what's the, what couch am I buying that looks awesome in my house? I don't know. Whatever things we get value from that we view our lens through is that we if we aren't careful, our relationship with God is viewed through the same lens of, if I do this, what do I get out of it? So a lot of times we quote scriptures like, man, God can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that I can ever ask, think, or imagine, period. No, it's not a period, actually. (laughs) The sentence continues on, 
according to the power that works within you. So now I want to bring it back to trust the process. Too often we focus on the result of what we get and we really, I'll put it this way, is I've got a, a great relationship with my dad. My dad's a great guy. If you know my dad, you're blessed to know him. Is that when I hang with my dad, hey, he brings up Calgary Flames tickets or Jets tickets. Hey, son, you want to go to the game? Awesome. Of course I want to go to the game. Be a good time. We go out for dinner. Guess who grabs the bill? My dad. If I need to borrow a car because his car starts and mine doesn't, I can just go grab the keys. That's awesome, right? To have relationships like that. It's a fantastic relationship. But if I switch the relationship to where I am pursuing the relationship just to be able to get the things or the benefits from the relationship, so essentially not getting to know my dad, not wanting to know what he thinks, not building relationship, just coming up and taking his keys or accepting the tickets and inviting another friend or just going out for dinner so I can get a free meal. The relationship moves from being a transformational relationship where I can actually grow and change and be better as a person and have the intimacy a relationship brings. I move it to a transactional relationship where I am just in it. And I'm not accusing anyone of doing this on purpose, but I am accusing myself at times in my life, I have viewed God through that lens of just what can I get out of this relationship? God, I need a healing but I haven't been doing the process. Or God, I want to be able to have great things in my life. I want a a life that is quote unquote blessed. A lot of times we define blessed by our world standards, but we'll get to that a different day. My whole purpose of that, and I'll sum it up this way, is in Matthew 6, 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. I'm not even gonna say the rest of the scripture. Because a lot of us continue to go to the second part of what can I get? And all these things will be added to you. And my whole goal for my life and my family's life in 2024 is seek first the kingdom. Seek first Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to get to know him in such an intimate way that obedience becomes absolute second nature in my life that it becomes the, 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 the byproduct of being in relationships. See, this is the interesting that happens. And I believe that above all else in your life, whatever you are believing for, whatever you are wanting to achieve, whatever you're wanting to see your life move forward, and it's good things to want to grow and to progress and to be a better person and to see progress. We are wired. God wired us that way. He just never wired us for those to take preeminence in our life over God and having a relationship with Jesus. So I want to read in 1 John chapter 4 because this is what the Apostle John is saying. It's quite interesting is that John is also a very, if you read John, if you, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you have the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they actually don't consider John a part of the synoptics because it comes in a different way that it's written. John is very relational and how he writes. He is very through the lens of love. God is love and and all these other things where you have the other writers, one's a a tax collector and a lawyer. These guys write in different ways. And John is writing through this perspective in 1 John. And you have to understand what John is. is. John is in his elder years now. It's probably about 50 years after Jesus has died and rose again. And John is disturbed by the news that's happening in Asia Minor. 
Gnosticism is really starting to become popular. The distortion of who Jesus was is starting to get away from what's really been happening. And John is writing from Turkey, so in ancient Ephesus. And really, John, in 1 John chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. He is saying this, and he is trying to say how this thing with God actually works. And this is a good summary of what we're going to be looking at today. Beloved, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. That's a big statement. What is love? You just read in 1 Corinthians 13. You can find out what love is. We know God is love. So who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us through Jesus, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. To summarize what God, what John is trying to say here is that essentially is that Christianity, this relationship with God, isn't so much about forgiveness, although forgiveness should be celebrated. It's not so much about achieving things. It's not so much about being blessed. It's not so much about all these things that we can chalk up into this idea of Christianity, but it's not so much about forgiveness, but it's actually about relationship. It's about friendship. It's about love. He's getting across the point that God is love. And in this John wants to go down on record that Christianity is not merely about forgiveness, but it is about relationship and it's, a, it's about love. John defines living by loving. And if you're not loving, you're not really living. And so he goes on to say this. And the reason why this is important and interesting in terms of today's context is that I want to harp on, again, the relationship side, is that if anything in 2024 that we do as a church, as you as individuals in your life, is that I pray and I believe and know that if you get this passion or this idea and, and this, this drive to know God more, the word says that as we draw near to him, he always draws near to us. You guys with me so far? Is that you would deepen and be even deeper in your relationship with God than ever before. Because all of these other things that we toil over and that we stress about and we have anxiety about, about relationships or what did that person say about me or how did that person, what do they think about me or what am I gonna get my next promotion or I'm looking for a new career because I'm really, I don't like my one that I'm in or I'm having trouble with my kids. Whatever it might be, it's fine to pursue solutions. But if there's only one thing you're gonna do, is pursue that relationship with Jesus, who is the ultimate answer. Because when we pursue and build that relationship with Jesus, is that you will notice that your life actually starts to become transformed. But when we pursue God through the lens of transaction, of just wanting to get things, is that we end up lacking and missing out on the power and the authority and the transformation that comes with a relationship of what God wants you to live with him. See, it's interesting to look at 
So I got my ginger tea going on this morning. Shout out to 924 Coffee. <clears throat> Is that reading through, like every January, I try to cruise through the Bible and go through, right now I'm going through the Old Testament. And I love reading the relationship between men in the old men and women in the Old Testament and God. And you look at the relationship that they had with him. You look at Adam and Eve, that they walked and they talked with God. And I, I love to sit back and just think of what would that have been like to sit and to connect. And it wasn't just some garden that only Adam and Eve existed in where God would beam in one day and have a quick chat and beam back out to heaven and five years later, beam back in and beam back, back out. No, God's original intention was this heaven, excuse me, this heaven meets earth idea where God dwelt and lived among them. See, God created us to be his image bearers, to be his, to be his co-workers, to be in a relationship, to walk and to talk and to grow. So Adam and Eve had this relationship. And then you go on and you look at the story of, of Abraham and how God appeared and talked with Abraham. You look at how it kind of cruises through the genealogy. I love what it says about Enoch. And it says, and Enoch walked with God. It's a summary verse of showing his relationship that, that even though beforehand God wasn't, he's around, but maybe not as close in relationship with the other guys, but Enoch walked with God and talked with God. And then Enoch was no more. God just brought him up to heaven. You look at Abraham, you look at Moses and his relationship with Moses, how Moses would have conversations with God, not in the fact of changing his mind, but Moses was this petitioner on behalf of the Israelites in different times to go and say, God, what about this? Or what about this? And they would have conversations. The point I'm pointing at is the intimacy that these men, then you go through and you look at when Jesus came as this fulfillment of God's perfect plan for us, is that when Jesus came and you had these men that had a relationship. And so just like Paul says in Philippians, this idea of, oh, just to know Jesus more. To be intimate with the creator of the universe who is there to lead you and to guide you. A, a being that we apparently believe in, who speaks into existence galaxies and black holes and systems and physics that guards our world. This God wants to be personal with you. He wants to live a life with you. And I don't want us as a church in the 21st century in a Western world to skip the process of getting to know God and being in true relationship and without knowing, jumping into transactional relationship and continue to be disappointed because things don't go the way that we set the expectation for them to go. So when we jump back into the process of our relationship with God, which is getting to know him and his word, spending time with God. Like how many of us, how many people have set goals for 2024? No one in this church sets goals. Let's, I, I need some participation, people. How many people have failed at some goals already? <laughs> I love it. How many people are still pursuing some of those goals with, with massive rigor and, and determination and intensity? There's a lot of us that do it. And there's this thing that it's great to get motivated for all these things. And I'm speaking to myself because... Uh, Danielle knows every, every year I send her like a text message just as like a placeholder for things to talk about for 2024. And Danielle just comes back with jokes and goofy remarks at me because I'm always just thinking, what do we want to improve on? I love reflecting and thinking. I'm not really like a giant goal setter for 2024 or for renewal of years, but I like reflecting on what have we done? Where are we going? 
What can we do better? And the only thing that's really been on my heart, like there's other things we talk about, of course, we have to live life and be responsible parents, right? For our son, Gabriel, we should do that and continue being good at that. But the one thing we want to continue to do is this year, as I said earlier, I'm going to say it over and over again. If I fail at everything, the one thing I want to succeed at this year is to know Jesus more. I want to be so intimate with him that I have, without a shadow of a doubt, when a situation comes up, I am confident of what he is speaking to me in my heart to be able to be bold and to speak about. Is that as I come and I believe that as I preach, the Holy Spirit is going to lay things on my heart of what he's dealing with me, but also because of the Holy Spirit, you guys are going to be able to draw closer to God because maybe some words that God goes through me or other pastors pushes you through. I'm trusting God that as I know and follow him, trusting the process of not trying to produce the result of being great at all these different things, but simply wanting to know God, being like Enoch. Instead of Enoch's name, I wanted to say, and David Craig walked with God, right? And Jan walked with God. This is the idea of what we're in. And really what we're doing is we're reshaping our focus to becoming kingdom focus. Too many of us are business focus first. Too many of us are social media focus first. Our relationship focus first. Or how much money I have in my bank account focus first. And you can know that on all those things by what drives you and what gets rises out of you, what brings you security, what brings you brokenness. Usually you can define what are the things in your life that are number one by the things that give you those biggest swings. But the beautiful thing is, is that when you pursue Jesus and you have him first, is that that is where the ultimate security comes because there is no major swings when you know with Jesus because he never fails you like these other things will eventually fail you. But that's the thing we want to get across. And if you have your Bibles, I want you guys to turn as we wrap up. We didn't really get to much of the message today. We're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 4. And we're going to read here for a moment. And this is an interesting passage about a Shunammite woman. <coughs> Excuse me. 2 Kings chapter 4. And this is with Elisha. And there is this beautiful passage. And I'll explain it after we read it. If you have your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to read starting in verse 8. One day, Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived who urged Elisha to eat some food. So she noticed him traveling to and fro. It says, come on in, come eat. She's providing for him. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp, so that whenever he comes by, he can go in there to rest. One day he came there, and he turned into the chamber, and he rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, Say now to her, See, all you have taken this trouble for us. So he's saying, thank you so much for the table, for the bed, for the chairs, for the food. You've done all this. What is it to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said to her, and this is the crux of the whole story. I'm just thinking if I want to set this up a little bit differently. Verse 14, and he said to her, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. And he said, call her. 
And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway and he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. This is Elisha speaking to the woman. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. She's obviously in disbelief. But the woman conceived and she bore a son about that time the following spring. And Elisha, what it said to her was true. It's a beautiful story. And the interesting thing about this is there's so much application to our life because the crux of this whole thing is the question that Elisha posed to the woman. And he goes and he says, now what shall be done for you? But the interesting thing is the Shunammite woman was not doing the things that she did with the expectation that she is going to get what she wants. In fact, she hadn't even verbalized it. In fact, she probably hadn't even thought about having her own son because of her disbelief of what Elisha had told her. So probably she'd probably crossed it out in her mind. But the crux of the thing was the question that was posed. But let me say something here. That question by Elisha, a man of God, ordained and blessed and a prophet that would go forth and representing God in that age is that that question would not have been posed to the Shunammite woman if it was not for the obedience and this compulsion to be obedient and to honor something that is from God in her life. She noticed this man walking back and forth to and fro. So she started off by saying she felt this compulsion, this obedience to just simply provide food for him. Then it moved to let's make a room in our house for him so he can rest and lay down. She is honoring the call that's on this man's life. She is being responsible and honorable and she is calling and responding to this obedience call on her life. See, this is the process. The way that I view this and what's been the Holy Spirit's been teaching to me is reading through this story and looking at it is the fact that I don't have to try to produce and to attain and to get all the things that I'm hoping happen in my life. But what I am responsible for in my life is being obedient to what the call is on my life, what the purpose is on my life. Now, I know what the purpose is for every single person here in 2024. Can I tell you what your purpose is? Some people want to know. Some of you have already decided what your purpose is. It's okay. You can judge whether you like your purpose or this one better. But come straight from the word of God in Philippians 3. Is that your purpose in 2024 is to know him. Is to be intimate with God. Your purpose, why you walk on this earth, isn't to be a fantastic doctor. Isn't to be an amazing pastor. Isn't to be a successful businessman. Your purpose on earth is to walk and talk with God is to be obedient to what he has you. And this is the duality of purpose. We always throw out the idea because we want purpose in our life and we always look for what's the meaning of my life. Man's great question, why am I here? But when you realize and understand your purpose is to trust the process, to know Jesus, to dwell with Holy Spirit, to have God number one in your life, when you grasp on that's your purpose. Okay, I want to say it one more time. That is your purpose. Your purpose isn't the 100,000 followers on TikTok this year. If you do, congratulations. Your purpose is to know him. But the duality of this purpose is that when you understand and you chase your purpose of knowing him, God reveals to you all of these other purposes that he has for you in different seasons of your life. 
So he might put, place a call for the next five years that you're gonna be doing this. Why? Because you trusted the process of being obedient to his word and following him. And all of a sudden, the mystery of this relationship with God reveals to you what your timely purpose is in this season. I've got a purpose of being a fantastic father, but I didn't 10 years ago, but now I do. But because I try to pursue Jesus first in my life is that that equips me to be a better father than if I just read books and try to get all the head knowledge to do it on my own. If you wanna be a better husband or wife, you need to pursue Jesus and have that. If you wanna see the miraculous flow in your life, it's not gonna happen by pursuing transactions. It's gonna happen by pursuing the one who has everything built up within him. I love how Paul ends in Philippians. I said I wasn't going to read it, but we're going to close on this because it's, it's absolutely perf- perfect to close with. Paul says, after sarcastically bragging about himself, about all the things that he used to achieve, and he says, I count it for nothing. He says, not that I have already, in verse 12, Philippians 3, 12, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Then he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal to you it also. I press on towards the goal. What's the goal? To know Jesus more. Paul says, oh, if I could know him, if I could walk with him. So things in your past, if you feel like today, man, God might hate you. If you feel like you have failed in your relationship over and over and over again. Paul is saying, forget about the things that are behind Leave those things that are stumbling blocks and leave them behind you and you just continue to press on towards the goal to know Jesus. Not to build your business, although that's a good thing. Not to be a great parent, but to know Jesus. And just like it says in Matthew 6, when you seek first the kingdom of God, all of these other things, they will be added to you. Why? Because you seek the one who brings transformation to life. And you put him in that proper place of your life of being a transformative power in God in your life as opposed to simply being a transactional relationship. So my challenge to you is wherever you lie, whatever's going on in your world in 2024, whatever things you are striving to achieve, I want you to take a moment and reassess and say, where is my pursuit of Jesus in line with everything I want to see? And if it's not number one, I'm going to challenge you. You need to reassess every single thing in your life. Why? Because you are called and you are purposed to walk and talk and to know Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're going to help us this year, this month, this week, that you'll help us today to get revelation of your word, to understand what you are leading us towards but father that this relationship will just be so real to each person that it will not be a cliche but it will be real that it will be this idea just like Enoch walk and talk with God just like Abraham heard and talked and spoke and understood father that that your kingdom and your vision has not ended 
that it continues to go on, Father, and that people need to know Jesus. And we pray that as we continue to seek you and pursue you, not only, God, that will you draw near to us, but that your glory will be seen through us every day in every area of our life, in every season of our life, Father, whether good things or bad things are going on, that we can be rest assured, that we rest and we have our faith and our life and our security is in you alone, Father. We thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Would you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a quick moment? If you don't have a relationship with God, I want to give you an opportunity to have one today. If you're watching from a different site or if you're watching online, this also applies to you, is that you may feel far from God. You may feel like God doesn't like you. You may feel like you left God behind 20 years ago. Maybe you've just been a person that goes to church occasionally and really you feel like you don't have a relationship with God. Wherever you're at, if you're doubting your relationship with God or if you want to start a relationship with God, the Word of God says that all you have to do is believe in your heart. What that means is I repent of my ways, which means I am done being my own boss, my own God. I'm going to turn and change and let God be God of my life. Let his statutes guide me and drive me. So that's a choice that you make. I'm choosing to follow Jesus. And then when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's the beautiful thing about our faith in what happens when God sent his son Jesus is that Jesus made it available to us to be in relationship with God because of how perfect and good he was, not based on what you do. So if that's you and you want to start a relationship, I'm going to count to three in just a moment. When you do, no one's looking around. It's just me. Would you stretch your hand up and I just basically you're signifying, I want to start a relationship with God. If that's you, would you raise your hand in one, two, three. Awesome. Thank you over there. Thank you. Thank you back there. Thank you. If you're online as well, God knows what you're deciding. If you're in a different site, there's a pastor or a leader on stage. You just wave to them as well. I'm just going to look around one last time. Awesome. Thank you over there. Would everybody please repeat after me? We're going to pray out loud with these people who are making this decision today. Dear God, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for sending my, your son to die on the cross, for forgiving me of all of my sins, and for rising again. Today I choose to follow you, and I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone in agreement said amen and amen. And amen.